We are in week two of a sermon series on faith. And Drew spoke last week about faith in action as we look through Hebrews 11. Faith in action. What does it look like to actually put feet and hands to this faith thing with our time, how we spend our time, our money, our resources, our energy? And I don't know about you, but faith is just such a mystery. Faith is as confusing as it comes. We might think of it even like it's kind of out there. It's like a a force or something. But what is faith? I need examples. I need some stories. I need pictures, glimpses of what it looks like, what it actually looks like, what it means to live a life of faith. And so Hebrews 11, it's, it's great. It's I love this passage. This is one of my very favorite passages in scripture, and yet I also have a love-hate relationship with it, which you will see why. It is challenging and piercing. But Hebrews 11 reads like this recap of the Old Testament, of all of these pictures through Genesis to Jesus, these pictures of people who lived by faith. So it's kind of like the Cliff's Notes. Did anybody use those in high school, college? It's like the condensed, the abridged version of like, okay, if you want to know what the faith of our forefathers, foremothers looked like, here's one chapter. And so what is faith and what is faith not? That is kind of what Hebrews 11 goes toward. Faith is a lot of things. It's trust and belief and obedience and surrender We know some of these synonyms, but what does it look like for me in my life right now? And so we'll just start walking through this passage in Hebrews 11. As Drew already outlined some of it last week, we're going to dig into a different section of it. So verse 1 right here, this might sound like an oxymoron to you. It sure does to me. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Anybody else, does that feel like that's, that's not, you're not speaking English. This is confidence and, and assurance, absolute, solid, firm, no doubt, no question. And yet, it's this mystery of things we hope for, things we can't yet see, things we don't know, and yet we know, we have faith. And it reminds me of this verse or this story where Jesus is healing a little boy in Mark chapter 9, and he asks the father of this little boy, he says, do you believe? Do you have faith? And the father's answer is probably what many of us would say, and really, I think what helps us summarize verse 11 and all of chapter 11, the father answers, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And faith is both. Faith is the, the seeing and the believing, and yet it's the, the not seeing, but the hoping and the waiting and the wanting. And really this verse sets the tone, this first verse sets the tone for the rest of the passage. And it goes on to describe all these people who lived by faith, Genesis on, And it gets us to verse 8, the story of Abraham, where we'll really camp out today. Abraham and Sarah, and this is what it says about Abraham. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. 
By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Abraham, this great man of faith, we see this first glimpse of what it means to live a life of faith. And here, the very first thing is obedience. Obedience that follows trust. Obedience that means he didn't get to understand. He didn't get to know. He didn't get to hear the where and the when and the how and the why. So faith is doing things that don't make sense. Faith is obedience, even when it doesn't make sense. Last week, Drew invited us to really consider our faith with our finances. How do we give in a way that is outside of the realm of possibility, that is beyond our comprehension, that is outside of our small, limited thinking, beyond our understanding? And so faith looks like that kind of obedience, even when it doesn't make sense. When was the last time you were called into an act of obedience to really put flesh, put feet to your faith, that you did something that didn't make actual sense, that you couldn't really explain, that wasn't something that just was kind of the natural, but actually that felt beyond uh, your understanding. And maybe that's even right now. Is there an invitation that is in front of you right now toward an obedience that feels beyond you, that doesn't make sense, and God is placing this before you as a gentle and kind offering of, can you trust me in this way of obedience, even if it doesn't make sense? So that's our first picture of faith looking like obedience in this one portion of the Abraham story. And now we get to what I call my verse. Uh, Hebrews 11, verse 11, Hebrews 11, 11. I have had a timer set, an alarm set on my phone for 11, 11 a.m. every weekday for the last five years to remind me of this verse. Verse 11, by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, Abraham, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. By faith, Sarah. If you didn't catch it, that's my name. Um, And I don't stand here today saying, this is about me, (laughs) but... I, for five years, I've had this alarm set on my phone for a number of years before that. I have read these passages about Abraham and Sarah and wondered, is the Lord going to do that for me as well? Will I be able to say that I received power to conceive because I considered him faithful who had promised? And it's really the, that last part. I consider him faithful. 
He is the faithful one, not the gifts that he gives. And I chuckle, and Paul was <laughs> chuckling too at the reading of the passage beforehand about Abraham being as good as dead, <laughs> that we might feel like we are past our age and as good as dead, but it is a good thing. God likes resurrecting dead things. And in both of our stories, things have had to die, really die dead. And God has resurrected, is resurrecting. He does redeem and restore all things. Faith looks like trust, even when it seems impossible. Impossible. God loves to work in the impossible. I, a little bit more about my story. I never really knew if I would be able to wear this mama necklace, if I would ever have a title of mama. But from the age of 15, I would truly tell you that motherhood was kind of etched on my heart. And that was back when, as a naive teenager, I never, it never really crossed my mind that it could take a really long time to get there. And that it might not actually be a reality. I just thought it was a given, of course. Everyone has children. I thought it was a right. I thought that it was just, yes, of course I'll have children one day. And I thought that that's what the good life was. Of course, the good life, to be a mom, to be a wife, to have a family, that is the definition of the good life. But I prayed and I hoped and I waited and my 20s turned into my 30s. I was unmarried and I felt forgotten and even betrayed a little by God, the very one who I thought had put this promise and this desire on my heart. So confused. Why would I have this longing if it was going to be unmet? And yet my prayers in my later 30s began to change a little bit. Instead of praying so adamantly for exactly how I thought it would go, that, that time had passed. I wasn't married in my 20s or even my early and mid-30s. My prayers shifted to instead say, okay, Lord, if not this, if not the way that I thought it was going to go, if not this, then there must be another way. If not this, Lord, there must be another way. Maybe one of you needs to say that right now in your heart to the Lord. Okay, Lord, if not this, then you must have something else. If not this way that I'm holding on tightly to, maybe, maybe there's another way. And as a few years ago in my later 30s, as I remembered this story of Sarah and Abraham, she was past the age, I remembered that the Lord promised something 25 years before he actually gave it to them. Why in the world? 25 years of waiting and hoping for Abraham and Sarah. But I reasoned like they might have reasoned, okay, there must be another means. I must need to hold on to this loosely, knowing that nothing, nothing is guaranteed. Nothing is a given, a right. But fast forward 25 years from my 15-year-old naive self, I'm 40, a little less naive, married six months to Paul, who in itself, 
He is an incredible answer to many years of praying and waiting, and now pregnant with not just one baby, but two, and two sons. <laughs> I, I can't even believe that it's, it's true right now. I think it's still so fragile. It's still high risk. It's still so precarious. But right now, we are praising God. We are saying this is a double portion. We are, we are incredibly in awe and in, in joy. And you share our joy, and that means so much. And we know God doesn't owe this to us. And we know that we are not entitled. We are not guaranteed. And it's fragile. And we have hope. And we have joy. So this is my current story. This is my current reality. I get to wear a mama necklace on Mother's Day for the first time. And I know that many of you, whether it's that or something different, I know that many of you are living in a story right now that is in the middle, that you are holding on to faith with maybe a lot of fear as well, that there are equal parts, hope and longing and joy, hope in the waiting and yet resigned maybe sometimes in the surrendering and in all that you have had to let go of or leave behind. And maybe you're seeing, you've seen promises fulfilled, you've seen the miracles, you've seen the goodness of the Lord, and you've had your dreams dashed. You have had unmet expectations. Things have had to die dead. And this is all faith. All of this. This is both sides of the story of faith. We see and we don't yet see. We hope and we long and yet we let go. And we release and we say, like Hebrews 11 that there is room for both in this story of faith. Hebrews 11 just says there is room for all these aspects of faith because here we come to a plot twist and this is where many of us are tempted to lose our faith. This is where many of us hit a, a time, a season in our lives like this and this is where we walk away this is where faith is no longer easy. In verse 13, we read, all these people, it went through that whole list of our heroes of faith. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for the better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Does anyone else just get a little jarred by that? They were living by faith, and they died not having received all the things they wanted, all the things that they thought that they were promised that they were going to be given. They died with unanswered prayers, with unmet expectations. And I'm taking a, a big, deep breath myself and 
saying, ouch, because this is the part of faith that I don't like, where we don't get to see the whole picture. We don't necessarily get to see that everything is made right and wrapped up with a nice little bow tied on the top. And yet, they still had faith. They were living by faith until the day they died. Will that be true of me? Will that be true of you? That we are living by faith until that day when we see clearly because we are face to face with the Lord. Until then, will we live by faith? Faith is belief in God's promises even when we don't get to see them. When we ourselves don't get to see them, faith is a belief beyond ourselves, looking and longing for the better future, the better country, even beyond ourselves. And a little more to my story of singleness through my late 30s. Yes, I learned to say, if not this, then there must be another way, but I could never see it. I never was given okay, Sarah, this is how it's going to play out. You're going to be okay. It's going to all work out when you're 40. And I still don't know that. I still don't know what the rest of my life will look like. But I couldn't see. What I couldn't see with my own two eyes, I could still believe that I could have a beautiful, meaningful life, even single, even without kids. And I held on to this one thing that I knew to be true, that God was writing a good story with my life. God was writing a really good story with my life. And I held on to that, and that's all I got to know. That's all any of us ever get to know, that God is writing a good story with our lives. A friend of mine, Stacy, got married, I think close to 40 as well. And I remember several years ago her telling me, Sarah, I'm not mad about it. I look back on my story, and I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad about the way that it unfolded. It was way different than I thought, way later than I thought. She ended up with three wonderful stepkids. It was a very wildly different story than what she might have written herself. But she told me, I'm not mad about it. And we won't be either. When all is said and done, when we're standing with the Lord... And we can look back on our lives and maybe realize then that it all makes more sense. We won't be mad about it. We won't be mad about the story that God is now in the middle of writing with our little lives. And we're just smack dab right in the middle of the confusion, the mess, the long wait, the unmet expectations. And this is the part where we try to control and manage and predict and plan. And that is not faith. That is fear. That is control. But it's so much better, so much better to take our sticky little fingers off and to let God's fingerprints be the one that are all over our situation. I remember just praying, Lord, I, I just want it to be so obvious that it's you, that it's your fingerprints all over and not mine, trying to figure it out, trying to organize and control and manage. Because we remember the story of Abraham and Sarah. She put her hands 
into the situation. She took it into her own little hands, and they ended up with quite a mess. So there is always that option that we can, too, try to write the story ourselves, try to insert ourselves into it, but taking our hands off, releasing and saying, God, you know what you're doing, and you're the one writing this. You're, you're in it for the long haul. This is a long game that he has, and we trust that we will not be mad about the story that he is writing. So we move back to Abraham and Sarah's story. Hebrews 11 goes on, By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so, in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. This time now, faith looks like incredible sacrifice. God asks, For the very thing that he gave. God asks Abraham and Sarah to wait and wait and wait in hope. And then they finally receive it. And then God asks for them to trust him. To have faith enough that would let it go. So faith looks like sacrifice. Even if it means the very gifts he gave. Another ouch. This is beyond our understanding. Hence faith. Why would God do this? Why do we give the gifts sometimes that he gave us already? Because our faith is in God's faithfulness, not in the things that he gives. In the giver, the giver himself, the person himself, not in the things that he gives us. Because we are never, we are never guaranteed good gifts. We are never guaranteed to keep them. God is giving and good and kind. We do see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He gives good things. And yet, we are not entitled. We are not owed. We are not guaranteed to keep hold, to keep a tight grasp on even the good gifts that he gives These babies will not be our now, not even now, will not be mine to hold on to forever. They will not be mine to tightly grip. And I'm realizing that this journey of embarking into motherhood is just as bit, just every bit as tender and raw and vulnerable as my journey of singleness and longing for motherhood. That even now, That motherhood, as well as the desire for motherhood, as well as life itself, is so fragile. It will never be anything but absolutely fragile. And that is why we trust and we have faith that we are held by the only one who is absolutely faithful in our fragility and our rawness and the things that we can't predict and control and manage. Our only hope, our only faith is in the one who is absolutely faithful. Whatever 
you might be holding on too tightly to right now, whether it's the kids that you have already or the kids that you want one day, the person that you're dating, the person that you're married to, the imaginary person that you hope to marry one day. I lived in that for a long time. Whatever the job, the, the home, whatever we might be t- too tightly holding on to right now, may I remind us that it's not guaranteed and that it's not where our faith, where our hope rests in those things. There will never be a moment of our lives where faith isn't at least a little bit fragile and precarious because these good gifts, they come and they go, but the giver, he remains. He is always here and not going anywhere, and we hold on to him. We hold tightly to him and loosely to everything else. And now, a final brutal picture of faith in this chapter. Hebrews eleven thirty two. What more shall I say? He's giving this list of the people of faith. I do not have time to tell even about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, who became powerful in battle, routed foreign armies, women received back their dead, raised to life again. That's a picture of faith. Miracles, seeing the goodness of the Lord seeing incredible acts of God, faith also looks like fruition. It looks like fulfillment. It looks like, it does indeed look like being rescued from lions and escaping the sword. Incredible stories of God's goodness and of God's answer to prayer. This is equally as true for us that faith does often Yes, often, Lord, get to look like joy and hope and the fulfillment of promises. I'm sure even right now we can think of the things to praise God for. We can say, he did indeed do it. This is a picture of faith. And then we get to part B. I intentionally put 35A on that last slide, and now we start at 35B because this is the exact same verse. There's not even a paragraph change. There's not a sentence change. It is in the same breath. The writer is saying, women received back their dead, and there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskin, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. Same story. Same God. Same picture of faith. These, this too is true, that faith is fulfillment and miracles Promises coming to fruition, fruition, and in the very same breath, this tension of faith is also 
there were those who were tortured. There were those who lived a totally different story than what they thought. And yet, this was the same God, the same story. So once again, faith looks like fulfillment. And faith looks like not getting everything we want. Faith looks like unanswered prayers. Still having faith when we don't get to see. And that's another ouch. Because sometimes I think we've made it too much about ourselves. Yeah, I have. But we get here to the end of this chapter and really kind of the middle of where most of us find ourselves. We get here to the end of this passage and we realize that all along, these weren't just individual stories of individual people and their faith, not just highlighting this hero of faith here and this hero of faith there. These weren't just individual stories of faithful people. This is one giant story of a faithful God. This is all about him. This is the story of God's faithfulness, not the story even of our faithfulness. We can have little faith, and yet we are still caught up in this much, much bigger story of faith. And it is all part of that same story. It was never about them. It was never truly just about us, but always all about God. And who are we to say that he can't do absolutely anything that he would do for each of our individual lives to write a good story, but really to write an epically good story of all of us tied together and this is the last verse here that wraps up this chapter and gives us that picture of why, why these different sides of the story of faith. Why the miracles and the victories and the loss and the torture and the longing and the unmet. These were all, all these people, whichever side they found themselves on, all commended for their faith, yet None of them received fully what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. That us is us, us, us. This is a story of God that we are caught up in, that we are individual stories that God is writing, and yet one massive good story bigger, bigger and better than we could even imagine ourselves because sometimes we make it too much about ourselves. And God is thankfully, gently inviting us to say, this story is so much bigger than you. There are things that don't make sense along the way right now. There are conclusions that we are years away from knowing. There are maybe things that we'll be able to tie a bow on one day and wrap up. And there are other things that we might never be able to just make sense of and organize and manage and control. And so if God seems confusing to you right now, if faith seems confusing to you right now, maybe you're even barely hanging on to faith. 
Maybe one day you'll barely be hanging on to faith. If that day isn't today, will you hear this invitation to release your need to understand, to predict and plan and manage, because that is not faith. That is fear. And that is taking matters into our own hands and making it about ourselves. I love, love, hate. Again, this, really, or this um, quote by Frederick Buechner, here's the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Do not be afraid. Beautiful and terrible things, friends. Have we seen them? Yes. We've seen beauty and we've seen awful. And we've had miracles. We've had answered prayers. And we are waiting for those answered prayers. Or some of those have just died slow deaths. Beautiful and terrible things, but that is not where our faith is. We have faith because we have a faithful God. We do not need to be afraid. We do not need to hold back on the beauty, and we do not need to fear the terrible. Faith feels both, and I'll invite the worship team to come back up. Faith feels both equally like holding on tight in hope and faith feels like, looks like letting go. Faith is holding on in hope and still believing, still trusting, still waiting, still yearning, still praying. Faith is holding on and faith is letting go and releasing and surrendering and saying, I don't get it. And it doesn't make sense. I'll obey. I'll sacrifice anyway, even though, even when. And so you might find yourself today in maybe a one or the other of those camp of God stirring in you. Either one hand, keep holding on, keep believing, keep walking, keep trusting. Maybe that is where you're at in the middle of this story today. The faith to keep holding on tight. And so hold on today. And maybe others of you are in the place of, okay, it's time to let go. It's time to surrender. There are some things that I need to release. There is the gentle nudge from the Spirit to say, I will obey. I will sacrifice. I will surrender even when it doesn't make sense. Maybe it's one or the other of those, or maybe it's kind of both. There's something that is actually requiring of you equal parts, holding on in faith and letting go in surrender. Still hoping and yet giving up the being able to describe everything you want. Maybe it's that prayer of, Lord, if not, this way, then it must be another way. There must be something else. So as we sing this final song, and I'll come back up to close us at the end, but ask the Lord, which, which one is it for me today? Or is it kind of a combo? Is there the call to, to keep trusting beyond 
what you can muster up yourself or is it the, the lay it down and see what God will do when we take our hands off and maybe somewhere a bit of both. So use this time as a time to reflect and pray, see what the Lord might say.